again, being an IT professional, IT people plan all the time. We plan for change management, we plan or change control, we, we plan for how we're going to deploy something. I mean, we know how to plan. And so being able to plan for a cyber incident uh, should be a natural thing for us. And, and again, it can be three bullet points, it could be 100 pages, but what do we do when it's going to happen? So what do we do when it happens? How do we react? So what, what's the plan here, right? Cybersecurity Awareness Month, celebrated every October, was created in 2004 as a collaborative effort between the U.S. government and industry to help ensure that every American has the resources that they need to stay safer and more secure online. Now, we here at Rackspace Technology and Cloud Talk are pleased to join in in providing resources to you around the topic of cybersecurity awareness. And to that end, every episode of Cloud Talk for the month of November, well, it's going to be cybersecurity related. Now, in today's episode, I have a security architect from Microsoft here named Matt Sosman, and we talk about strategies that you can employ today to help be a little bit safer, as well as the tooling that Microsoft has created to help in that battle. Line between application and infrastructure is virtually invisible in these modern apps. The kind of thing that a global computing fabric with immense resilience and scale can deliver without even breaking a sweat. That's really what the promise of the cloud's always been. It's all focused on the business objectives. That's where we craft the plan. In the tech world, we like to celebrate the lone genius, but I'm just going to tell you right now, they're just the convenient face as founders to focus on. Welcome to Cloud Talk. Here's your host, Jeff Deverter. So as I mentioned, we're joined today by Matt Sosman, and he's a security architect over at Microsoft. Now, Matt has held almost every job that you can have as an IT practitioner, and now he finds himself embroiled in cybersecurity content all day long. And so I started by asking Matt the question, what's the day in the life of a security architect over at Microsoft like? Yeah, good question. Um, so I, I work specifically with uh, Microsoft partners, managed service providers, uh, ISVs, uh, partners that make apps and make things, um, also our systems integrators. I work with them and their customers to go out and build security solutions on the Microsoft stack on the Microsoft technology. And so what that means is I could be working with a, a systems integrator today to take something like my, uh, Azure Sentinel or Microsoft Defender for Endpoint and build some kind of a, a, a package, go ahead and deliver it to a customer. Or I could be working with one of our ISVs to maybe help them write, uh, write some secret sauce to get even more value out of something like Microsoft Cloud App Security. And so um, it's a lot of fun, get to meet with a lot of different people, uh, and I cover the whole spectrum. So I cover everything from identity to security to compliance, and um, you know, no, no one day is uh, the same as the other, and that's kind of the, the best part about the job. Well, it's really interesting when you think about the way that you get to work with partners, and that is, you know, I love the the Microsoft. Well, really, a lot of the the, the, the you know software uh, companies, you know, they create great tools, but it's up to usually a partner who's going to take and then turn that into some kind of secret sauce that's unique and and special. But when you you know working with a company like Microsoft, uh, you know that that tool set is pretty deep, and you cover a pretty wide range. But uh, before we get too deep into that, now security was 
wasn't your first gig at Microsoft? How did, let, in fact, let's even go back a little bit farther. What was your, I love asking this question. What was your first job yeah. in IT? Yeah. So going all the way back almost 20 years now, um, I worked, well, at the time I was going to school for IT and I was working at a, uh, at a parts distributor in Kansas City. That's where I was born and raised. And so um, working at this company that had like, I don't know, maybe 10 office locations around the country and probably about 100, 100 to 200 employees. And so at the time, they uh, they were on a old dummy terminal system. Um, it's all uh, Unix platform, actually. And they were trying to modernize. And they were trying to get to like email and web browsing and Windows PCs and all that stuff. And they needed somebody to come in and help. And so I was working there at the time in the warehouse. I was going to school for IT and I said, yeah, let me jump in. And the rest is history. So that's where I, I got my, my kind of IT chops was working there for about three years, transforming that environment from this old dummy terminal system to using Windows machines and email access and SQL databases and all that. Tons of fun. Learned a lot. From there, I went over to Sprint. Um, I was in their operations center for a couple of years, working the midnight shift, uh, monitoring cellular networks for you know basically issues. And then I went over to the IT team and I helped them deploy at the time, it was Office Communication Server 2007. Oh, OCS. OCS. Uh, actually, I, I, we deployed LCS at the time, Live Communication Server. And yeah. then we went to Office Communication Server and we had, oh gosh, like 800 PBXs. And we consolidated it all down and went to OCS. It was awesome. Um, and then from there, was there for a while, and then I went over to BlackBerry. And this is where I really started getting interested in security. So I went to go work at BlackBerry. I was a, I was a corporate trainer. What year, and also, what year was that? Uh, it was probably like 2010, okay. I want to say. Yeah, BlackBerry's are still, still in vogue at this point. Yeah, it was like 2009, 2010-ish. Um, the cool part about that was I went around to some of the, the, the carriers that they worked with, cellular carriers, but I also worked with a lot of government agencies and a lot of like fortune 50 companies and if you remember black enterprise server best oh yeah best so yeah did a lot with that and so obviously with that came along security and that started getting me interested and then microsoft came knocking went to microsoft uh and i was a consultant at microsoft and microsoft consulting services so i've been here almost 10 years 10 years in march and i spent about seven of those 10 years in mcs doing consulting for uh back then it was unified communications and then i went into security so uh, things like advanced threat analytics and uh, Microsoft Cloud App Security and some of those things. Um, and then from there, I went to go work in our center of excellence uh, and and uh, within MCS and helping other consultants to be great at security. And then I came over about three years ago over to uh, one commercial partner, now Global Partner Solutions. Anyway, make a long story short, I'm now in the partner organization. And so and as I mentioned, I'm, I'm working with our partners so I'm going to build security solutions. So, I mean, I've learned a ton over the course of my career and, and I love security mainly because it's always different. Boy, it is <laughs> always, different. always talk changing. About it. Talk about changing landscape. But, you know, yeah. as, as technologists, it was interesting to hear the the whole progression of, of the careers. You, you know, got interested in this and then moved over into that. Um, and that's one of the things I find interesting, especially somebody who's been in, in IT for, you know, a good 15, 20 years like yourself. Uh, and that is, you know, our, our specialization tends to get much more refined as we move on because we've, we figured out that we really like this techie stuff. It's really fun. Yeah. And we just need to figure out where to apply it. And usually there's a personal itch that, that the technology can help scratch, which is where we, you know, we dig in. Now you say security because, you know, no, no two days are the same, but you know, let's, let's explore that even just a little bit more. You know, I've been digging more and more into security just because it seems like, 
the threat is so much larger than it ever has been. I would Meaning agree. The opportunity for how we can apply our craft is more than it's ever been. I would agree. Absolutely. Um, you know, when you look at threats uh, today, um, those threats are vastly different than threats a year ago, vastly different than threats five or 10 years ago. Uh, it's, it's constantly evolving. And now with, you know, cloud, things are happening at cloud speed. And so, um, and, you know, I said, I kind of, I kind of like the ambiguous and I like the, the fast pace and the changing. Right. It's because it's keeping you on your toes. Right. Yeah. Um, well, and with yeah. a company like Microsoft, when you think about working with a partner, I mean, you'd really do have, and you said it from identity all the way through the whole gamut of, and, and, and even mentioning compliance, because what would security be without also, how do you ensure that you are compliant in that and any other regulation? So you, uh, you have a wide palette, even though you've centered in security, you have a wide palette to paint with in the technology realm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I'm expecting to know we have probably well over 100 security products now, but uh, you know, kind of expect to know all of that. And then what I what I kind of love about my job is being able to really evangelize all that and focus on that and being able to understand the inner workings so that you know when you approach a cybersecurity problem, sure, let's get you secure, right? Let's help towards compliance. But what does that also mean for the business and digital transformation? How does that set you up to be more productive? Well, and how do you do that kind of in tandem? Because gone are the days where, well, you've got, you know, IT and building such and such and the rest of the, the, or operation, you know, spread out in other parts of the, of the campus, you know, first of all, IT has got to be embedded in any level of, of true digital transformation. IT has got, got to be there, but security very much has to have that, uh, a seat at the table as well, but to be thinking about how you're going to secure these new workloads, this new data sets, these new, uh, applications from the very beginning of the development process all the way through how you manage delivery and then support. Yeah, absolutely. So, so um, when we think about, you know, you mentioned that the, the threat is, is, uh, is, is so different than it was even a year ago. Um, one of the areas, of course, I mentioned already, but that was identity. You know, what, what's, you know, we, you know, so many of the hacks that we even hear about are, or compromises or, um, uh, are coming from the identity space. I mean, the the Colonial Pipeline originated as a you know just a you know, fortunately an ID of somebody who has wasn't at the organization anymore because he had died, uh, and thereby it wasn't you know, they didn't disable it, and they didn't update the password, and the password got compromised, and well, the rest is um, fuel shortage history, I guess. Um, so let's talk a little bit about identity, and you know what. What are some of the opportunities or the things that are happening there that, that people really need to think about? Let's, I'm going to pick your security brain a little bit here. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing about identity, it's, it's the first line, last line defense. Um, you know, if I have your identity, no other, solu- no other security solution is going to stop me. And so, um, you know, you have to make sure identity is, is taken care of. And so when you, when you think about that, uh, you mentioned the colonial pipeline attack. I mean, how often does somebody's identity get compromised just through like a phishing email campaign, which is still the, so the number one attack vector, right? So, yeah. so, so how do you stop that? Well, um, you know, humans are humans, so I, I can't really stop you from clicking the link. At the end of the day, you're going to click on it, even though we have all this technology in place. So, so how do I how do I make sure that ID becomes unusable if it does get leaked? Well, one such way is going passwordless. And we could circle back to this, but when I think about going passwordless, it's very real. The technology is definitely there, 
Um, I am passwordless here at Microsoft. I don't even know my password anymore. I use biometrics to sign in every day. And the benefit there is, you know, if somebody decides to give me a phishing email, um, well, I don't have a password to leak. And so that's a huge advantage. And and when you think about that from a, from a perspective of a passwordless, but it's also increased my productivity. I, you know, I single sign on everything. So I don't have to type in a password. Um, it's just all, you know, through biometrics with things like Windows Hello or, or like a FIDO2 key. The other side of that is, okay, what if you didn't have passwordless? And what if that credential gets stolen somehow? Well, what are the mechanisms behind the scenes? And this is where we get into zero trust a little bit. What are the mechanisms behind the scenes that would help to put, uh, I almost think of like locks in a, in, a, in a river, right? What are those locks I could put in to be able to make it more expensive and more complex for an attacker to get through? And so one of them might be something like, like here at Microsoft, we have Azure AD identity protection. And so being able to scan the dark web for stolen credentials, being able to look to see, are you coming from a known botnet IP address? Um, you know, are you logging in from an unknown location? You know, being able to look at all this metadata behind you to see, okay, is it really you or is somebody trying to you know, impersonate you? And then also looking at the behavior, right? And, and like, what are you trying to log into and, and how sensitive is that app or data and what kind of device are you trying to sign in from? And so my point is leveraging all these signals to be able to interpret and understand, okay, is it really Matt? Or is it somebody that's trying to impersonate him? But at the end of the day, it all does come back to identity. And that's where we want to make, really make sure that we have you know, our, our defensive capability really ironed out. And then you know, from there, obviously, multi-layer defense and on the endpoint, on the app, and so on. When you make a really interesting kind of tangential point here, and that is with with all of this metadata to consider, you know, if we tried to do this a couple of five, 10 years ago, you know, first of all, you know, the the sophistication wasn't there. You know, we go back 10 years and it's, or farther and it's, you know, it's it's kids in their basement just trying to see, can they get in somewhere? Can they do something as opposed to a nation state type of an activity or a professional organization? Um, but with all of these different uh, ingestion points for, uh, for the for the potential issues for the all the different metadata coming in. I mean, we're almost we're not almost we are at a point where you've got to have the level of machine learning to create that that you know be able to analyze all those different vectors at the same time, so that um, you can provide trustworthy guidance to not just administrators but to the individual who's trying to to log in and and to trust what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know, five years ago we. We had the cloud, right? But but we weren't. The technology wasn't quite mature yet, right? And and being able to do all this advanced processing, you kind of need the cloud to be able to do that. And so, like, I'll give you a great example here. Uh, Azure Active Directory uh, has a feature called Identity Protection, and so it's actually building a profile on every single user, every employee in the organization, and it's looking at where are you commonly logging in from and are you deviating from that? And then, you know, what are you trying to access? And it's making intelligent decisions to whether or not we want to let you through the you know front door of the house, combined with other signals from the endpoint, from the SaaS app, from maybe you know other sources. And you know, the cloud is really allowing you to mix all that together. You 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 couldn't really do that on premises. Um, you know, unless you're a large nation state or a really large organization with the, the, the resources and budget, but the cloud has really enabled us to do this. And so what, what's funny about all that is, you know, five years ago, we were hearing people say, I can't go to the cloud because of security. 
Well, now we're hearing people say, I have to go to the cloud because of security. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Now there's a flip side to that as well, of course. And that is when there is an issue with the cloud, a zero day and a vulnerability, you know, vulnerability in the past impacted individuals and a vulnerability in the present impacts hundreds of thousands of, of different organizations and individuals in those organizations and their data that lives there. You guys, not to single you out, everybody has issues, but you've had a couple of high profile ones in the past few weeks. Yeah. And, you know, when you, when you think about cybersecurity, it, 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 it's a challenge, right? And it's, it's like playing whack-a-mole, right? Um, and so, you know, the, the thing I always think about is, well, two things. One, I think about multi-layer defense. So I, I think about my tinfoil hat, how many plies do I want in my tinfoil hat? And, and what do those multi-layers look like, you know, from the identity's perspective, from the endpoint perspective, the SaaS app, the data, the network. It's all of that. And then I, I also think about the people side of it. So who's behind the scenes? Who's behind the wheel of, of the technology? Is, is there a SOC? Is there somebody monitoring this stuff? Um, is there their talent there to have those skills necessary that when they see an alert, they know how to, how to react? And so, you know, it's, it's the technology and the people side and obviously, obviously process, but that's, that's usually how I think about that. And, and what's interesting is when you, you go out and talk to organizations and you, you speak at industry conferences and things, um, sometimes we don't think about multi-layer defense. We think about that point solution, right? That one that, that's best of breed. And then we also think about, you know, the, the cool technology. We don't necessarily think about multi-layer defense. We don't really think about who's behind the wheel. And, yeah. and all that matters, right? Yeah, it all matters. You make a couple of points in there. I mean, I think one also to call out is, you know, that multi-layer defense, you know, if somebody does get through and you always have to plan for the fact that someone's going to get through at some point because, you know, you use the example uh, whack-a-mole. The only thing that's wrong with that is in whack-a-mole, it's the same mole that keeps coming up every time. But in in the, the cybersecurity whack-a-mole, they come up stronger, faster and harder with or out of the side of the machine for that matter in a way you don't expect. So someone's always going to get through. So having a way to limit that, you know, that blast radius of the damage that they could create, having multiple layers, super important. Um, and uh, uh, the other thing that it makes me think about is, you know, when, when companies plan for this, you mentioned they've got to have the right personnel who are thinking proactively because there's, I always like to break it down. I make things simple because it helps my brain, but that is there, what are we, what am I going to do um, to help uh, defensively? What am I going to, what kind of uh, borders am I going to put up? What active things am I going to do to, to prepare for that? And then what am I going to do uh, for a, have a in, in place of a plan for when things go south? Because they, at some point, Everyone has an issue. Doesn't doesn't really matter who you are because there's just bad guys all the time. You know, we go back to the uh, example that we gave, talked about earlier with uh, with Colonial. You know, they unfortunately had a breach, but then they really didn't have any other layers. They, folks just just kind of came in, and and their the attack surface was the financial reporting uh, and measuring, uh, which apparently is a big deal when you're selling hundreds of thousands of gallons of fuel on a day to day basis. Uh, and so. Uh, you know, what people are, are driving at the multi-layer, super important. Um, but then the kind of that last thing you said, and that was that while people in the past have not gone to the cloud for security, they're now going there for security. And it's always, I don't want to say amusing, it's more sad than anything when somebody says, I'm going to stay on-prem because, well, it's more secure. It's our servers. I have the key to the door and I can make sure nobody gets in. And it's that's just not the case anymore. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I mentioned my very first job there, and and I was that guy, 
And I mean, back at that company, we had 20 servers in Iraq in the wiring closet. And, you know, when I think about all the all the long nights and weekends I spent, um, it was usually because, you know, the air conditioner would go out or a server would die or I have to go replace a hard drive or whatever, right? Uh, those were a lot of nights and weekends and birthdays and holidays and things like that that, you know, I can't get back. And so, you know, as an IT pro, that kind of stuff matters to me. And 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 what what is what does the cloud do to empower me as an IT pro to to get my life back, if you will, but also have an impact on the on the business. And and you know, the cloud is constantly launching these new capabilities. How can I go out, take those capabilities, help the business understand how to apply it so we can make more money, increase the stock price, enter new markets, whatever it is, and do it securely. And and the cool thing about you know, one of the reasons why I love Microsoft and why I love, you know, being in security here is the cool thing is the security is actually baked into the products. It's not bolted on. And so when you think about being productive and being secure in the same sentence, usually you don't think about it. But when you do think about it, I think about cases like Teams, Microsoft Teams. Uh, a lot of times you don't even know that DLP is there. You don't know that data encryption is there. You don't know what's happening behind the scenes. It's just seamless. You're just an end user, do, you know, using it. And so, you know, the more we can we can bake that into our our solutions that end users use, the easier security is going to be for everybody, right? Um, yeah, keep us from shooting ourselves in the foot. I mean, you know, yeah. any we're we're a 365 you know customer here at Rackspace, and every link I click on, I see safe links come up just to make sure that I'm not going to the bad place. And uh, and it and it all sort of works well. So so you made the the comment a minute ago about you know helping customers you know secure who they are and what they're doing so that they can grow as a company, enter new markets, increase the stock price. So let's let's come up with a couple of three four things that companies should be thinking about. So this is this is Matt Sosman's uh, recommendation to the world of if you could only go do three or four things, these yeah. are those three or four things. So what's what's first on the list? You know. Um... When I go walk the the vendor floor at a conference, take the RSA security conference, for example, there's like a thousand vendors, you know, huge. It's awesome. Everybody does, you know, these different security solutions. They kind of all do the same thing in a way. But you know, when you go walk the floor, there's just so much, right? And it's easy to get paralysis by analysis or whatever, however we say it these days. And it's easy to just, you know, go after those point solutions that are kind of best of breed. What I often find in just my trials and tribulations in, in my journey in life is we often fail to do the basics and the fundamentals. And so my first recommendation I always go to is let's do the fundamentals. Okay, so what do we mean by that? Well, um, let's think about software updates and patching. Patch your stuff, right? Patch your, your client workstations. Apple just released a bunch of updates yesterday for iOS security updates. You know, patch your iPhone, patch your iPad, patch your servers. Patch, patch, patch. Patch your routers and switches, you know, your home router. I mean, just make sure there's an update plan to apply those software updates. That That's going to do a lot, right? And so I, I always think about the fundamentals in that respect. And the other respect I think about is, is passwords, mm. right? Um, how, many, how many small organizations out there and large organizations don't enforce complex passwords, don't require a minimum number of characters? You know, there's a lot of, you know, kind of quote free stuff you can do there to be able to, just strengthen your security posture and lower risk by having a more complex and, and lengthier password. So passwords and patching is, is kind of fundamentals. Now you mentioned having a plan. Uh, that's the other part, right? 
you know, it's, it's, it's like when I was growing up and, and, you know, in elementary school, we always talked about fire safety and we talked about what to do if there's a fire in your, in your family's house and have a plan. Well, same thing here. What do you do when there's a cyber incident? What's our plan look like? If it's three bullet points, that's fine. It's a plan, but let's, let's get a plan on paper and let's, let's start working through that. So just, you know, the fundamentals that don't require purchasing anything, but that do require the process and people side of things to make sure you understand, okay, are we using what we already own to its a grade of effectiveness, you know, or, so that's kind of the first thing, fundamentals. Second thing I think about is on that note of what do you already own? And so how do I take advantage of security solutions I already own, whether it's a firewall or it's Office 365 or it's Azure or AWS or whatever I already have, DLP technology, whatever it is, let me go through with a fine tooth comb and, and almost do like an assessment or an audit. Do I have all the, the, the buttons and, and knobs pushed and turned appropriately? Is it properly configured? You know, um, when you look at these breach reports, like look at the Verizon breach report and some of the others out there, a lot of times the root cause to a breach is misconfiguration. So is my stuff properly configured? So that's the second thing. And then the third thing is consider getting professional help. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, yeah, none of us- therapist every other week. I mean- Yeah, yeah, exactly, weeks. right? Well, and that's a good point. Like, you know, a lot of us, I have a, I have a big ego, right? And, and over, over the course of my, my career and my age, I've been trying to lower that. But, you know, in, in IT especially, we, we don't want to get help right. as IT professionals. And so, it's a, but in security though, we can't know everything. There's so much. I mean, just go it look at Twitter. Too quickly. It just changes too quickly. It changes too quickly. And just go look at Twitter. There's all sorts of InfoSec people out there talking about different stuff. So, you know, you want to get help and you want somebody to almost kind of maybe advise you or get ideas from, even if it's just meeting somebody for, for coffee and just sharing, you know, best practices. In fact, I met a, a customer years ago they used to do that just that. They would actually meet with one of their competitors and they were kind of friends, but they would just sit down over a cup of coffee once a month and share yeah. cyber what you, stories. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? It yeah, right. Sense. Share intelligence. And so, you know, you want to get help, whether it's hiring a, a consulting agency or just going out there and phoning a friend, sharing ideas. So that's kind of my, my three main go-to things, you know, fundamentals, config, make sure what you own is, is properly configured and then leverage the power of, you know, your network of people. Uh, you know, to be able to get help. Well, in your fundamental section, I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's so well said in that it's so easy to not go and make, you know, apply every patch, not to be aware of every patch, but make sure at least you're applying everything that you you can see in there. So much happens in those, even in those antiquated operating systems. I'm sure nobody listening to this has a Windows 2008 server running still, but if you do, maybe you should be aware you can't get patches for that anymore. And that's a, a liability. But we talk about this threat being worse than it's ever been or bigger than it's ever been. I mean, you know, not to minimize where it was, you know, 10 years ago, but by and large, you had a few criminal organizations, but by and large, it was individuals uh, and, and it's with, with, with loose affiliations. But now, I mean, you're, you're going up against um, – I mean, we, we, we'd be nice and say, and use and say the phrase, you know, nation state, but you know, it's North Korea, it's, it's Iran, it is uh, China. Uh, I mean, these, the folks are, are waking up and going to work every day and, and where they're going to work on are your firewalls and switches and routers and, and anything that they can poke through. So don't leave the door unlocked, I think is the message that you're saying, because there's an upgrade. 
Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and, you know, the other part to that, too, is if somebody wants in, they're going to get in. And so you almost have to assume that they're already in yes. and adopt this mindset of, OK, they're already in the environment. What do we do about it? And and it's it's you know, making it more expensive, making it more difficult for an attacker. But that's starting to think through, OK, they're already in. So my firewall doesn't matter. But now let me start thinking about things like the data. How do I encrypt the data? How do I put permissions on it? How do I make sure my CASB is configured so it doesn't allow for the exfiltration of the data? You know, all these things start to come about and that just comes with assuming they're already in the environment. And if you look at some of the, the biggest breaches in history, over, well, I say history, over the last five years, a couple come to mind that the attacker was actually in the environment for months, if years, before they were detected. You know, that's like me coming to your house, drinking beverages out of your fridge. And that's right. To you're living in the attic and you're, you know, just taking use of everything when I go to work. Yeah. And so, but I'm waiting for the right time for you to say to your spouse or partner, hey, we're going to go buy a home. Well, I'm going to perk up and I'm going to try to, you know, intercept an escrow payment or something. And so same thing here, you know, the attackers in the network, they're monitoring communications. They're waiting for that right time to strike. And so, you know, it's, it's a difficult problem, but it's not impossible. And it's just staying up to speed. And and going back to my third point there around getting help, you almost want somebody on your side that is able to scale and, and stay up to speed that can help advise you on, hey, here's some threats targeting your industry that you probably want to go go take a look at and, and shore up defenses on. Anyway. Well and you you made the point of have a plan and you know that plan it's not a technology, it's not a piece of technology. It's what are you going to go do? And part of that could could having you know, we mentioned you just right now, you know, have have somebody you can go to for help. Well when something bad happens, have a plan and know who you're going to call to remediate that issue. Is it ransomware? Is it something else? Who's going to come in and solve for that? Get ransom yeah. get cyber insurance. That that helps a whole lot. Absolutely. Every little thing helps. And, and, you know, again, being an IT professional, IT people plan all the time. We plan for change management. We plan or change control. We, we plan for how we're going to deploy something. I mean, we know how to plan. And so being able to plan for a cyber incident uh, should be a natural thing for us. And, and again, it can be three bullet points. It could be 100 pages. But what do we do when it's going to happen? So what do we do when it happens? How do we react? You know, I used to be on call at previous jobs where I'd be woken up in the middle of the night or on the weekends when a server goes down, you have a plan. Right. So what, what's the plan here? Right. Um, yeah. Part of being proactive. Absolutely. That's right. Um, that's, that's super interesting. So Matt, you've got, uh, you're not quiet about uh, the fact that you, uh, you enjoy working with this type of technology. In fact, you've got a pretty, th- uh, lively, uh, channel over on YouTube. Uh, how can people find you? Where can they, where can they go to learn about you? Yeah. Uh, so, so I have a YouTube channel, just youtube.com slash Matt Sosman. Um, yeah, you know, I, I discovered this a few years ago after I, I stopped blogging on TechNet and I, I just enjoy making videos about Microsoft security products and kind of making it real and, and showing how it works and, and how to think about it and how to deploy it. So that's a lot of fun. So, you know, if, if you're into that kind of thing, feel free to follow me there. And then uh, Twitter uh, and LinkedIn, obviously, but uh, Twitter just at Sosman Matt. Um, and, you know, kind of my, my goal here in life is I just want to make sure, you know, my fellow IT pros out there, they're informed and, 
you know, kind of understand what they're working with. And so that's kind of what I do at Twitter and, and YouTube. That's fantastic. Well, as, as you said, Microsoft's products are, are vast, over 100 uh, different security products now, but the fact that security is baked into everything else that you do. In fact, the area that continues to impress me is when I, as an individual, open up Microsoft Edge and go over to LinkedIn, if there's been an incident with, with that login that I'm using, it tells me that, hey, this has been found yeah. over on the dark web. You might want to change that password. Yeah. Um, yeah. Microsoft has some interesting capabilities. When you, when you peel back the onion, we have something called the intelligence security graph. Uh, and for my, my, my security folks out there, it's, it's more threat intelligence, but we're looking at to the tune of 8 trillion signals a day. Uh-huh. And those signals are coming in from obviously our security products, but also human assets. So we have a digital crimes unit that works with law enforcement. We have, um, you know, we have different sensors all over the internet. We have our cyber defense operations center in addition to all of our products. So it's 8 trillion signals a day. And so we're, we're, we're going through that. We're trying to understand, you know, what's happening and, and how are things being responded to? And all of that goes back into the products and goes back into the online services to make them better and make them react almost kind of in real time. And so that's the, the secret sauce, if you will, is the intelligence security graph. But the cool part about that is our products leverage it. So you mentioned SafeLink. So if, if I get an email uh, that has a URL in it and I click on the URL, it's actually going to do a time of click scan. And if it's never seen that website before, it's actually going to you know, make a decision whether or not it's good or bad, but it's going to share that back with that graph. And now the millions of other users out there with that service will now be protected. So there's a lot of interesting stuff with it has an API. You can look at the data in it, but that's that's kind of the secret sauce behind the curtain with Microsoft and security. And uh, it's it's super interesting. There's a lot of other companies out there that have similar services. And you know, I mentioned getting help. You know, even being able to share threat intelligence. You know, right? I'm looking at the Microsoft Intelligent Graph. I'm also looking at maybe um, you know other security companies graph services pulling all that together as a customer and then sifting through it, that, that can be helpful. Anyway, I'm going off the deep end here, but um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really cool stuff. It's really cool stuff. And I feel like there's, there's probably a few more hours of this conversation. Than oh yeah, of course. But uh, you know, I love your, your recommendations, have a plan. Don't forget about the fundamentals and, um, and just, just, you know, minimize the attack surface as much as possible with multiple layers of security. So great advice, Matt, thank you so much for being on the program today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This is a lot of fun. This has been Cloud Talk. You can find Cloud Talk wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And be sure to check out more content from Rackspace Solve at solve.rackspace.com. Well, excellent advice from Matt, as well as insight into the tooling made available by Microsoft. Can you imagine a trillion security signals into their systems on a daily basis? Absolutely amazing. Well, folks, this is just the first of several podcasts dedicated to cybersecurity this month. If you haven't already subscribed, well, now's a great time to do just that. And don't miss any of these excellent interviews with cybersecurity professionals. We've got episodes coming up on tabletop exercises, as well as an interview from the CEO of a leading cyber detection firm. You're just going to love these. 
And as always, a huge thank you to Dell Technologies for their sponsorship of the Rackspace Technology Solve program, where we are dedicated to bringing you timely and impactful information to help you and your organization succeed in transforming through the use of technology. Well, until next week, I'm Jeff Diverter, your host here at Cloud Talk. We'll see you next week.